Greetings one and all, and welcome to the Spirit Side Journey Towards the Light. I'm Paul James Caden, and uh, this week I'm bringing you guys, if you're watching on YouTube for the video format, uh, I'm bringing uh, audio format only. It's been a very busy week, and I'm going to be giving uh, readings at a local psychic fair tomorrow, so... It's going to be a busy weekend, but I wanted to get a podcast out and, uh, you know, have a little discussion for those who care to listen. And so I thought I would uh, talk about uh, just pulling a subject out of my uh, my cranium here. I thought I would uh, talk to you guys about dreams, visions, and after-death communications. You know, when it comes to the uh, subject of spiritualism, a lot of people are uh, suspect because, as I always say, it's it's a religion, a philosophy, a science that a lot of people don't understand, uh, particularly uh, mainstream religious folks. They have a great fear of spiritualism, and no matter how you try to present it to them, they always have that same, uh, you know, answer of, well, you know, we're not supposed to, you know, talk to spirits. We're not supposed to uh, try to talk to the dead and, you know, things of this nature. And, you know, I, I want to get to that, answering that question, if I can, uh, in this particular podcast. And uh, I do apologize uh, if there's a little bit of background noise. There's some kind of uh, construction or something uh, going on outside my window. So if uh, the mic picks any of that up, uh, I do apologize. Nothing I can really uh, do about it at the moment. But um, dreams, visions, and communications with or afterlife communications... I think it, it, it behooves us in this conversation to uh, once again reiterate what is spiritualism. You know, is it some kind of bizarre occult religion? Is it something that is practiced by witches and Satanists and occultists? Because usually when you hear the word spiritism or spiritualism or spiritualist used in mainstream religious language, it is usually connected with words such as witches, witchcraft, the occult, Satanism, black magic. And nothing could honestly be farther from the truth. I've said this before in shows, but as I said, it kind of behooves us to uh, reiterate. Spiritualism is first a philosophy. It is a philosophy that believes, of course, that there is life after death, life beyond this life. It is religious in the fact that many of the early spiritualists, uh, in, in fact, I, I would go so far uh, 
from what I've seen to say 98, 99%, if not 100% of them were, were Christian spiritualists. And that's something that a lot of people uh, don't know. They don't understand. We don't hear it talked about. But these were people who many or most or all of them had a background in the Christian faith. And they came to this philosophy of spiritualism saying, yes, we believe there is life after death. There is more to everything than meets the eye. But spiritualism is also a science. And the scientific part comes with investigating paranormal phenomenon to try and gain scientific evidence that there is life beyond this life. And as I usually state in my shows when I talk about this, uh, you know, it's really no different than the paranormal investigators of today. You know, people who go out and explore uh, haunted places and they have all this equipment and they try to, you know, capture uh, data that will be, you know, some kind of proof that there is an entity or, you know, some kind of energy or a consciousness in this house or on the land or wherever it is they happen to be investigating. So it is a philosophy and it is a science and then it is a religion. Now, spiritualists and the spiritualists of old were not witches and occultists and uh, people practicing witchcraft. They were Christians. And they believed that the writings in the Bible backed up their philosophy and their science. And mostly they looked at the life of Jesus. You know, what did Jesus do? He, he had visions. He had um, utterances of prophecy. He healed the sick. He had interaction with angels. And see, that's, that's another interesting topic when it comes to spiritualism and the, the belief in angels and also the belief that, that we can, you know, to some degree interact with the angelic energies. And a lot of people, again, in mainstream religion will say, well, we're not supposed to do that. You know, we're supposed to uh, talk to God only or believe in God only, interact with God only. But if that is true, spiritualism would answer, then why was it that in the Garden of Gethsemane before the crucifixion, when Jesus was uh, in anguish and he was praying, you know, Father, you know, if it be thy will, take this cup from me. And it said the, the, uh, the, the sweat was like drops of blood on his forehead. You know, he was in such anguish. And, you know, he went a distance and he prayed and an angel came and comforted him. So if it's supposed to be 
God only if we make this rule that we're not supposed to connect with or even really think about those other spiritual beings created by God, God's messengers, then why did Jesus, the Son of God himself, need the ministry and the comfort of an angel? Why didn't God himself come down and comfort Jesus? Why didn't Jesus comfort himself as the Son of God? You see right there that that really shipwrecks a lot of ideas. You know, well, Jesus was different. He was the Son of God. He could, you know, do these things that, that we're not supposed to or not allowed to. But yet Jesus said, the things that I do, you will do also in greater things than these. And spiritualism looks at that and says, this is our divine birthright. This is our, you know, these are gifts from God. And Jesus was our example. He had spiritual visions. He uttered words of prophecy. He connected with angels on many different occasions. When he went out into the wilderness to fast for 40 days and 40 nights, it said at the end of that 40 days and 40 nights, after the, the enemy tempted him, it said that angels came and ministered to him. Well, some translations of the Bible say that angels came and, and tended to him or comforted him or saw to his needs. So again, why did Jesus as the son of God need angels to come and tend to him and minister to him and see to his needs? Why didn't God the Father himself come down? Why didn't Jesus meet his own needs being the son of God? Why didn't he just do what was necessary to take care of himself? Because he was our example. The Bible says that Jesus emptied himself. He laid aside his heavenly glory and came to earth as a man, came to earth as one of us, a human being. And it is very true that, you know, so many people are so busy making a religion around Jesus or out of Jesus that they don't follow the example and the religion of Jesus. And I think that's where so many people fall into a ditch with these arguments and beliefs. Because if we're going to take the Bible literally in any way, as many people do, they'll say it's the God-breathed, God-inspired, you know, inerrant word of God. Well, if we're going to believe that, if that's something you believe, then we have to believe that when Jesus said, the things that I do, you will do also, and greater things than these. When Jesus interacted with the angels. He was our example. He was showing us something that we are allowed to do, something that we can do. Think about the book of Acts in the Bible when Peter was in prison and he was in chains. And it said he was sleeping at night and an angel appeared and tapped him on the side and, you know, woke him up 
and said, quickly, follow me. And his chains fell off and the, the prison door opened and the angel led Peter, you know, out to a certain road and then sent him on his way back to, you know, his companions. So why didn't God himself come down and wake Peter up and make the chains fall off and open the prison door? At this point, Jesus had already ascended. So why didn't Jesus come down and do those things? Because these are examples to us and for us in the sacred writings. And spiritualism recognizes that and believes that. Spiritualism isn't so much about creating doctrines and dogmas around things that are written in the Bible or around the teachings of Jesus or around Jesus himself. Spiritualism is more, as far as the Bible is concerned, looking at the stories, looking at the examples, looking at the parables, looking at the teachings, and saying, what can we learn from this as far as our religion, our philosophy, and our science, and our spiritual gifts and birthright are concerned. And one of the things that uh, spiritualists are uh, very much involved in is connecting with the angelic realm, connecting with our guardian angels, connecting with those messengers of God who can inspire us and help us in our lives. But I would add one little caveat uh, to that, which I will in the end, once uh, I, I cover these topics. Now, again, when we look at the life of Jesus, we see him, you know, uttering prophecies. We see him healing people. These are all things that spiritualists uh, endeavor to do, heal the sick, to have that uh, prophetic knowledge, that insight, that prophecy, or as some say clairvoyance, clairsentience, you know, the, the psychic or spiritual knowing or seeing or healing or or rather hearing or feeling because these are all things that Jesus did. These are all things that the followers of Christ did after his death, resurrection, and ascension. But now what about communicating with deceased spirits? Isn't this forbidden? Well, in the Old Testament, it certainly was. Although when King Saul went to the witch of Endor to raise the spirit of the prophet Samuel to get some information on a war he was, you know, uh, fighting at the time, would he win? Would he lose? Did he have God's blessing? Uh, the witch of Endor certainly rose the spirit of Samuel from the spirit world. And now you'll see a lot of uh, religious folks say, well, that wasn't really Samuel. That that was an, an imposter spirit. It was some kind of demon impersonating Samuel to deceive uh, King Saul. But there's nowhere in the text that uh, where that is said. There's nowhere that where that is alluded to. That is a superimposed belief and thought over that text 
to try to explain it away. But there's nowhere that it says it was a demon or it was, you know, an imposter spirit or anything of that nature. It said it was the spirit of Samuel. And what Samuel said to King Saul uh, during that moment of, of prophecy, you know, from the spirit world did come to pass. You know, it was uh, the prophet Samuel's last prophecy from uh, beyond the grave, if you will, to King Saul, who was not living a life uh, that is, you know, said he was not being pleasing to God and doing what he should have been doing at that point. So he he lost the war and uh, Samuel told him so from the spirit world. So it is possible. But now this is something I covered Many times in podcasts uh, before, I'm not really going to go into that in great detail, that these practices being discouraged in the Old Testament, you know, we, we look in our translations of the Bible now and I'll always say medium, medium, never consult a medium, but that's dishonest translation because the word medium does not appear in any of those passages in the Bible. It is necromancer. It is sorcerer, and it is, I, I think there's a third one, but it escapes me at the moment. And these were people who had very dark, detestable, uh, downright uh, horrible practices to try to divine the future or raise the spirits of the dead or be possessed by the spirits of the dead. So naturally, a God of love, a God of peace, a God of knowledge, uh, wouldn't want his children, you know, going to somebody like that to um, try to connect with someone beyond the grave because you don't know what you're going to get a hold of, you know, with, with those kind of practices that they, um, you know, the the tribes and the pagans around the uh, the Jewish nation at the time engaged in. But now what about Jesus? What about the New Testament? Well, we see on the Mount of Transfiguration where uh, Jesus took, I think it was uh, James and John, up to the mountain. And while they were up there, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And suddenly, you know, Jesus began to glow. It says his clothes were, you know, as white, you know, more radiant than the sun. And standing there talking to, to Jesus suddenly was Moses and Elijah. How, how do we explain that? Because Moses, at this point, was long dead. So is Jesus breaking the Old Testament law? And what about Elijah? Some people argue, and I've heard some people say this, well, Elijah wasn't dead. He was caught away in the, the chariot of fire, so he wasn't dead. Well, Still, if we're to believe the Bible and Elijah, the prophet Elijah, was caught up in a chariot of fire, he was translated. You know, he ascended. He translated. He was no longer just a human being. He put on the spiritual body, obviously, to dwell in the spirit or heaven, heavenly realm uh, where Christ came from. But even if we give that argument to some religionists and say, okay, well, you know, Elijah wasn't dead. He was caught up in the chariot of fire. Moses 
was definitely dead <laughs> by this time. And so we, we see Jesus was standing there talking to the soul, the soul, the spirit of someone who had died, Moses. Spiritualists look at this and say, well, the things that I do, you will do also, and greater things than these, even more things than this. So spiritualism or Christian spiritualism doesn't see this as breaking any kind of law. It doesn't see this going as going against any uh, teachings of Christ or, you know, teachings of uh, Christianity, the, the Christian religion. In fact, if, if you look at it all through the Bible, through the Old Testament to the New Testament, many people, there, there are so many encounters with spirit beings, supernatural beings, angels. And who's to say who some of the angels were that, that men encountered in old times, olden times? Because, and the word angel is only Greek for messenger. And we know some of these messengers were, you know, heavenly beings who were never born on the earth and, and the uh, and a body of flesh and blood. But how do we know that some of these angels, these messengers, were not, as spiritualism calls them, high spirits of the light that have ascended high enough in the heavens, who have been educated in the heavens, and now they have a mission to come back and help people here on earth. Bringing messages so that man might walk in the right way, carry out the will of God. Walk in love, walk in the light, so that one day we may be as they are. Doesn't the Bible say that when we get to heaven, you know, we, you know, we, we will be like the angels. We will be like the messengers, if you translate that from the Greek. So who's to say that some of the messengers in the Bible were not high spirits of the light of men and, and or women who crossed over and now dwell in a uh, higher place or have this mission from God to help those on earth. We don't know. It's not specified in the, in the Bible. But spiritualists look at that and say, well, communication with the other side in some aspect is certainly possible. That's why it is a science. And we certainly have uh, religious people out there who, in mainstream religion who are scientists and looking for proof. Looking for proof of what the Bible says is true. Looking for proof that, you know, we were created and not evolving, you know, from amoebas out of the mud and, you know, apes in the jungle or whatever the case may be. So it's, it's not wrong to have a scientific view of religion to say, I'm going to try to gather some data and some experience here that shows that my faith is built on a solid foundation. And if we really, you know, look back in 
you know, the history of spiritualism, we see a lot of people did just that. And they did it from that uh, biblical perspective, many of them. So I hope, um, you know, this little conversation helps those of you listening to understand that, that this is not, uh, you know, as I said before, as many put forth, you know, it's not some uh, witchcraft, occult, Satanist, oh, those spiritists, you know, they, they practice, you know, they practice black magic and their witches. No, certainly there there are witches and those that practice the occult uh, and even, you know, those who practice some of the satanic rites who try to engage in spiritualist practices, but that doesn't make them spiritualists. And I might add to that. I might add to that, that I know uh, at least a handful of folks that I've crossed paths with in my life who did not practice religions or a spiritual path that was very nice. Um, a lot of kind of dark occult type of things. You know, heavy... Uh, dark magic rituals and, you know, trying to connect with souls of the dead and, you know, uh, some of them demons, you know, because there's this old occult belief that we can call upon demons in the jinn and, you know, through certain uh, magical rites, bind them to be our slave and, and do things for us, whether it's get vengeance on an enemy, an, an enemy or bring us riches or whatever it is that we want. And these people engaged in somewhat spiritualist practices, but they weren't spiritualists. And every single one of these people, every single one of them meant an untimely death. And it was not pretty. And before their death, life got really dark really heavy. So I'm in agreement. And I think most spiritualists would be at least most Christian spiritualists. You know, these are these aren't things that, that you should be going out and, and just playing with in an occult manner. You know, there are some spiritualists out there who say, you know, well, there are no evil spirits. You know, they're all good spirits. You know, we don't believe in demons and devils and bad spirits. But then there are spirits or there are spiritualists who say, yes, those things absolutely do exist. And I'm one of those spiritualists who say that, yes, that those things absolutely do exist. And, and not only, you know, because it's mentioned in the Bible, because I've done my, you know, my little fair share of paranormal investigations and no other people in the field and things they've encountered out in the field when there was a disturbance in someone's house or in someone's property and what they encountered and what I encountered a couple times uh, back in the day. Uh, this was not human. 
This was not friendly. This was not just a disgruntled ghost. Uh, this was something other than. So these are things you want to play with. And I'm in full agreement with that. You have to be careful. And this is not something that you, you know, make your upside down pentagrams and upside down crosses or all your occult symbols and, you know, try to catch demons in bottles and all this silly stuff to make them be your slave and bring them what you, what you desire. You know, try to call up the dead through some, you know, crazy magical workings with, you know, black candles and God knows what else. You know, this, this, is, uh, this is bad news. So I'm in agreement with the religionists, the mainstream religionists, about that. Absolutely. But I'm also, in, in my personal experience, and I've said this before, I don't think... I don't think we can just snap our fingers and dial up the dead or an angel because God doesn't want us to be dependent on those things. You know, we are here in this world to learn. There are certain things that we are here to figure out and we have, you know, certain books and guidestones to help us along the way. We have the divine spirit dwelling in us. And yes, we have the angels, we have the good spirits, but they're not going to do all the work for us. So I'm in disagreement that we can just snap our fingers and an angel's going to come give us all the answers or a spirit's going to come and give us all the answers. And uh, I hear that right at the tail end of this podcast, that construction is right outside my window. But uh, bear with me a couple more minutes here. Um I feel those things are by God's permission, God's leave, when he deems it that it should be so. You know, we're, 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 we're not to live our lives every time we hit a snare, every time we get in trouble, every time we make a mistake, every time there's a decision to make, and we're not sure we can just say, well, you know, to heck with it. I'm, I'm not going to make the decision. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to learn the lesson. I'm just going to, you know, call up the spirits and have them tell me what to do. You know, that's kind of like cheating on the test. Sometimes they do come to our aid. Sometimes they give, do give us that boost in the right direction. Sometimes we call upon, you know, the good spirits or the angels and we just we just feel their presence around us, that comfort, that love. And that's enough to make us say, okay, I'm going to be all right. And we go onward. You know, we're, we're, as I call it, you know, ministered to through that that energy of of love. They're letting us know that they're with us. And that gives us strength. That gives us comfort. We don't necessarily need the answer or somebody to learn the lesson for us just to know that we're backed up. We're doing the best we can. We feel more calm. We feel more confident. We feel more centered. And sometimes that's all we need. Just the same way we look at the life of the apostles, the, the followers of Jesus. We look at the life of Jesus. I mean, after the 
the death, resurrection, and ascension of Christ, the apostles faced many trials, and, and many of them were martyred for their faith. You know, they faced a lot of problems, and sometimes there was an angel there, that messenger, to help them, to rescue them, to give them a message, or to save them from the jaws of death. Other times, they weren't. Because sometimes we just have to figure it out. That's how we learn. That's how we grow. And we start here. And when we go to the next level of life, when we get to heaven, that starts the next level of learning. And we go on from there. That's what spiritualism believes. So... Folks, I hope you got something out of this show this week. It was one of these uh, shows kind of done on the fly because um, I wanted to get something out this weekend. As I said, it's going to be really busy. This show will be out on Sunday, uh, but Saturday I'm going to be uh, doing the the angel readings at the uh, local psychic fair. So, you know, that uh, that seems like it's going to be a lot of fun. And... Um, you know, I hope this little conversation was fun for you guys. I hope you learned something. I hope you understand spiritualism better when it comes to spiritualism and the teachings of the Bible and the life and works and teachings of, of Christ. And uh, I hope this sheds a little bit of light on a subject that, uh, you know, has just been uh, really butchered over the years by uh, many mainstream religionists because they many times judge a book by its cover and they don't take the time to understand what the contents inside of the book truly are. And I hope this is a little bit of a glimpse into the chapters of spiritualism to help you uh, understand it better. So thank you for listening. I appreciate it. I will see you all next week. Hopefully, uh, on a video if you're watching on YouTube and um, I'm working on uh, having a guest uh, next week and hopefully that will come to fruition if uh, schedules work out and uh, I think that would be a, a good show. So stay tuned and I will talk to all of you later on. God bless. <music>